You use the Bible to learn what love means. I use love to learn what the Bible means. That's an explanation I've heard for how two Christians can come to such different conclusions about how to interpret the Bible in light of God's command that we love one another. In today's epistle lesson, the Apostle Paul echoes that command, writing to the Christians in Rome, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Here Paul exposes the false dichotomy in the formula, you use the Bible to learn what love means, I use love to learn what the Bible means. To describe love, Paul cites the Ten Commandments, which teach us what love looks like, regardless of how we're feeling. And in describing what it means to keep the commandments, Paul sums them up by saying, love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if in doubt, let love be your guide. The Bible certainly does teach us what love looks like. And, not or, but and, we use that biblically formed love to put our faith into practice, to guide our decisions and behavior in the many instances when we have no specific commandment from God as to what gift, for example, would make a friend or a colleague or a family member feel appreciated? There is no biblical command specifically for that instance. Or what it might mean to care for someone near the beginning or end of their earthly life. Or how we should allocate our time, talent, and treasure for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. God leaves many specifics of those decisions up to us and gives us general guidelines. Let love, in those cases, be our guide. Learning from Scripture and being guided by love is an iterative, two-way process. It's not a contradiction in terms, which does not guarantee that we're always going to agree. But it does mean that we don't need to take sides on the supremacy of Scripture versus love. We can be confident that they are not in conflict, even if we don't agree or see how to reconcile them. Struggle, striving, living in tension, being pulled simultaneously in different directions, it's part and parcel of what it means to live a life of faith-seeking understanding, in the words of the 11th century theologian Anselm of Canterbury. Paul goes on in Romans 13:11 and forward saying, Besides this, you know what time it is. How, it is, how now is the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone. The day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, 
Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. After telling the Romans that love is the fulfilling of the law, Paul goes on to specify what love does not look like. Reveling and drunkenness, debauchery and licentiousness, quarreling and jealousy. Instead, he says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And right afterward, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Which is to say that loving to do something is not what it means to love. Those are two distinct and separate things, not to be conflated. For we need to acknowledge that there is a war within us, as Paul writes in Romans 7, of our sinful nature, the old Adam, in rebellion against Christ in us. Without God, we can neither will nor do any good thing. We need to acknowledge that in the words of Alexander Solzhenitsyn that we heard two months ago, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Each of us, then, needs to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul says, put on, remember that he is speaking to people who are already Christians. That is, to people who have presumably already been clothed with Christ in baptism. So putting on Christ, who has already been put onto us, is not just a one-time action, but a repeated one, a habitual one, as in change your oil, rotate your stock, or vote. They aren't things that we're supposed to do only once. As Martin Luther was fond of saying, each morning, put on your baptism along with your clothes. That is, live in the new reality of life as a loved, redeemed, and forgiven child of God, of a sinner made saint, of Christ alive in you. In Paul's admonition to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the word Lord is an important one. It means master, someone to whom we are subject. It means what we pray in the prayer our Lord taught us. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The old Adam in us says instead, my kingdom come. My will be done in heaven as it is on earth. The old Adam in us hates the idea of being subject to God and feeds us all kinds of excuses about how having a Lord and being a subject is oppressive and futile and backward. Old Adam, like the constitutional peasants in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, prefers to live in an autonomous collective. Or rather, not so much a collective, but simply autonomous. We want to be our own God. Putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, then, means not living that way. It means acknowledging Jesus as Lord and subjecting ourselves to him even when it is not convenient. Even when our proud will bridles at his commands and his definition and example of love is inconsistent with our own. 
As we've often been reminded by Mark Twain, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts I do understand. Faith and faithfulness are not easy. So if you don't find them easy, take heart. It's not because you're any worse at them than the rest of us. It's partly because you care, you're conscientious, and you're trying to live according to God's will. And that is hard and sometimes frustrating work. And it's partly because we are sinners, and as such, putting on Christ and being subject to God grates on us. The good news is that Jesus is still Lord, even when we don't acknowledge him as such. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9 tell us, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is ready to forgive and to receive us time and again. As we confess our sins, hear his words of absolution, as daily we die to ourselves and put on Christ, that we might walk in newness of life. Thanks be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, rich in mercy, is not ashamed to call us his children, but welcomes us back from our wanderings with open arms and prodigal love.